All right. Well, listen, this episode, I, I'm just really excited. And I, I say that probably every week, but consistently I am excited because on a personal level, I have been following one of our guest principles, Kevin Palmieri's principles of being consistent. I'm coming in stacking wins. Like I should be, my head should be above the screen today. I'm sitting up on so many stacked wins. Uh, in our pre-show, Kevin's got me fired up. Kevin, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. How are you today? I'm doing very well, my friend. If uh, the pre-chat was any indication of how our conversation will go, it will be wonderful. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited to chat with you today, Jeff. Yeah, well, my friend Brandon Brittingham, who's in our in our intro, like, there's nothing wrong with being humble, but there's nothing wrong with stepping into your superpower. And you've kind of found a way of almost stepping into superpower while keeping ego in check. Mm -hmm. So. Let's talk about that right out of the gate of where you found success in helping others deal with their ego and how they manage that to be, you know, a successful person in their life. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because I think the true definition of humility is stepping into your greatness, but also admitting what you're not good at. I don't know if you can be humble if you can't accept somebody complimenting you. So. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're a very good blank, or you're really good at this, or you're beautiful, or you're smart, you're intelligent, you're handsome, and you can't accept that and own it, I don't think that's true humility. I think that's yourself mm -hmm. putting yourself down. And on the other end, I believe that stepping and leaning into what you're really, really good at is humility. So I think it's a fine line. You have to be able to take the, the wins with the losses. But one of the one of the strategies I use when I'm talking to people is I love asking the question, why? If I ask a question and somebody gives me an answer, I'll just say, why? And they'll, again, we just go through that five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times, and you can really get down to the identity level of a human being, and then you can start working on that. One reason I believe more people aren't humble is because they don't take action. Somebody asked me this earlier, Jeff. They said, how did you come about being humble? And I said, well, I've literally just been taking losses every single day for the last five <laughs> years. I've been stripped of any entitlement that I, I would have had by this point. But I do believe that confidence and humility both come from taking action. And if you're not taking action in a consistent time span, it's very hard for you to be humble because you forget what it's like to lose. I think losing is is very important for humility, especially if you haven't taken a loss in a long time. I love everything that you just said, so we'll kind of dig into it. Um, I like how you touched on taking a compliment and you know practicing humil humility, practicing humbleness. Uh, I actually came across one good way to do that in like a practical world. So if somebody offers you a coffee or a bottle of water, even if like your bladder is full and you're ready to float away, take it, right? Because that person has at least thought of you in the moment, right? And it's that one simple practice that can really help things. Um, side note, if you want to remember people's names, practice that at a restaurant, right? We're always so focused on getting our ordering and getting our drinks in. We step right past Kayla, who that's our server's name, right? So always, always look for the server's name just as a, another little life hack that I've found useful. But... Yeah, being humble, being 
uh, being able to practice humility. I love that. I love how you said why. Why is that important in my retail business? That's actually part of a like word track that we use with our guests that come in. Like, why is today the day you've decided to visit our business uh, after using your old mattress for ten years? Because that's one of my retail businesses that I own. But um, so you t- you you touched on the identity of a human being. Yeah. So let's let's dig into that, and then let's go into some of those um, some of those losses. Like, what brought you to? We'll get into what brought you to, to today and how we're together here on this show. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think when we talk about identity, we're talking about how you think about yourself, how you view yourself, and how you think about how you make decisions. So one thing that you'll hear very often is people go to a self-improvement event. And they'll, when they leave there, they'll say, I am just so motivated. I'm so inspired. Mm-hmm. I'm motivated. I'm inspired. I'm motivated. I'm inspired. The problem yep. with motivation and inspiration is they do not alter your identity. And that's where like one-on-one work, that's where therapy, that's where counseling, that's why therapy and counseling are such important pieces for people's growth is because you're genuinely altering somebody's identity from I am this type of person to I am now this type of person. So many of us know this strategy for weight loss, but we don't identify as the type of person who is strong and athletic or an athlete or somebody who pours into their physical health on a daily basis. I think most change comes from the identity level. And a lot of people are missing that when they're giving and or getting advice. And I think that's why a lot of people feel very, very, very stuck is what I would say. Yeah. I mean, coming out of the conference, it's it's like they've got yeah. they've got the conference muscles, right? Yep. They're flexing on flexing on life <laughs> because it does feel good, right? It's I mean, people at the front of the room should give you those mm-hmm. feelings. Otherwise, yep. they've been worthless. It, yep. Well, it's not fair to say somebody's worthless, but the time was wasted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So being able to then come out of that and implement a plan, you know, change those daily habits um, into the realm of consistent behavior. So that's one of the things you like to talk about often is consistency. Um, yeah. So on, on the vein of weight loss, right? Like just as an example, let's, let's kind of peel back that. Like why, why is it as a nation we're bigger than ever, more and more unhealthy? What's happened to our ability to be a consistently healthy nation as an example? Let's dig into that through the lens of self-improvement. It's such a challenge. It's such a challenge. When we think about consistency, this is what happens. So I am down, right now I'm down eight pounds in eight weeks. So my co-host and I had a challenge and we said, look, one of the things that we talk about often on this podcast is health. And we have kind of let ourselves down a little bit. I'm not living up to my standards. So what we're going to do is over the next 10 weeks, Alan is going to lose 10 pounds. Alan's my co-host and my business partner. And I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And if we don't lose that weight, we do not get to do an episode. If Alan misses, I will do the episode by myself. If I miss, Alan will do the episode by himself. And if both of us miss, there will be no episode and we've never missed and we are not intending. So, but here's the thing, Jeff. I dieted for two and a half, three weeks before I saw any change in my weight. And my weight actually went up when I started dieting. It makes sense why people would see that and say, well, this isn't working. So one of the things I think people lack is accountability. I really, really, really do. Especially now where we're all virtual, 
there's very little accountability because you can only see from the neck up. Now, I understand that might sound hardcore, but think about it. If you're getting less feedback on the day-to-day, you're probably getting less necessity to make good decisions. So what we did by telling our listeners is we were going to lose 10 pounds is we built in accountability. So I think that's one reason why we're struggling more than ever. And honestly, I think human beings are consistent creatures. We're just usually consistent in the path of least resistance. And we have to set it up where the path of least resistance is the best one. And that takes a lot of behavior changes. As we mentioned before, that takes a lot of identity changes. And it more often than not takes a bigger goal than we're willing to set. If I decide today I want to go for a run, that's a good goal. Okay, I'm going to start running. If I decide I want to eventually run 26 miles, the odds of me doing that, unless I sign up for a marathon, aren't super high. But the second you set that big goal, I'm going to do a marathon. And I have to raise $10,000 in order to get my bib. A lot of people are knowing that I'm going to do that. I think that one of the reasons people struggle is because they're not setting big enough goals. Losing 10 pounds would not be a big enough goal for me to, to keep up what I've done, to get up every single day and go do cardio, to quite literally miss out on all the good meals I've been offered lately. But not being able to do the podcast and missing an episode when we've never missed in a thousand, over yeah, a thousand. Yeah, that's a big deal for you. That's the biggest deal. That is my baby. That is the most accountability you can have. So the why power is there. The why is greater. And this is the last thing I'll say. Humans operate based on necessity. So you have to build in some level of necessity. If the only necessity is, well, I don't lose the 10 pounds, the necessity isn't great enough. Humans operate on necessity. And if the reason isn't big enough, you won't do it. So the reason Mm. for doing something has to be greater than the discomfort of doing it. And I think that just, it taps into the goals, the reason why, and what happens if you don't accomplish the goal. Yep. Exactly. I'm writing that one down. Sure. And, and you know, for anybody watching, I explain this to all of my guests. If you see me writing something down, I am not mm-hmm. multitasking. Multitasking is bullshit. Um, sorry for cussing, but it's just the way it is. What I do is I make little notes because part of our process here to share out our great guests' expertise and insights is I realize as a, as a human society anymore, the the ability for most to sit down for an hour and take something in has diminished. Uh, actually, there's stats now that we as people have less of an attention span than goldfish. So I make little reels out of our show uh, to share out these great moments. And, you know, that one at about 12 minutes, 30 seconds, great reason. Having a great reason for doing something is important. I think in all that you shared there, here's here's a habit that I've been doing as of late. It's really multi-layered. One, I'm journaling every day, right? Which for a big guy might sound a little weird. Right. And, and this kind of goes back. Maybe we'll circle back to your, your topic of ego because you've got, you've got a thought process of, of why certain clients come to you mm. based on what you look like. And it's, you know, it sets your ego aside or what people would think. But so for me, journaling every day has been great. I have Strides habit tracking app. I make no money for saying that at all. It's just a great app that's tremendously helped me be massively consistent. I started out the show saying, we're going to have excitement today because I'm sitting on a stack of wins right now that is just really, really great. But here's something else that I've been doing 
And you said about uh, having a reason for doing something, the marathon example, you get your bib, you raise money, you tell people it's that accountability. Mm-hmm. 100%. We've got, you know, and, maybe, and I want your feedback on this. It seems now when people say they're going to do something great, more people come out vocally with that ain't going to happen. The, the, the loudest voices from the cheapest seats come out. Why is that, do you think? I think there's a couple of reasons. One, people do not give you advice based on what they think you can accomplish. They give you advice based on what they think they can accomplish. Mm. So that that piece has helped me just try to have empathy. You know, our long-term goal, Jeff, is to have the most successful podcast ever in the self-improvement industry. The odds of that happening, statistically, are unreasonably low. So for anybody to say, hey, that's kind of a crazy idea. I understand why you would say that. I would say that too if if somebody came to me with that idea. Now, I try to support them in whatever way I can, but I do understand that through the lens for most people, it doesn't seem possible. So I think that's one thing. And honestly, and this is one of my favorite questions in the world, I think questions change lives, You because you have to ask yourself, are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? A lot of us have people in our lives, not because they're super supportive, not because we have aligned core values, core beliefs, and core aspirations, not because they're there for us when we need them. A lot of the people in our lives are in our lives because they've always been in our lives. And we used to go to school together. We used to work together. We used to go to the bar together. We used to do a lot of things. I genuinely, Jeff, I watched a video recently where it was a YouTube video. And I was prepping for our podcast, trying to come up with some good topics. And the title of the video was um, Five Reasons Why You Shouldn't Tell People Your Goals. And I was like, that goes against everything I've learned. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it, right? So I watched the video. And the through line of the entire video, it it might as well have said, the people in your life kind of suck. Because that was the through line is, People are going to crap on your ideas. They're going to steal your good ideas. They're going to check in on the progress you're making or not making. They're going to put pressure on you. And if you don't make it, they're going to laugh at you. And I thought to myself, I don't have any of that. Nobody, nobody's going to laugh at me. We just, we had this event planned where we were going to, we had a mansion rented out and we were going to do this big retreat and we pulled the cord and said, you know what? Now is not the right time. It's not the right time. Does that seem like a giant loss? Sure. Did anybody reach out? And crap on me? No. Did my fiance crap on me? No. So I believe that one of the reasons that people have certain people in their lives who are crapping on their dreams is because they've let them do it repeatedly. Nobody just comes out one day and does it. It's, it's a behavior that's probably been happening for a long period of time that eventually it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. I'm blessed because I have a very supportive community and I have a very small circle, but it's, it's that way for a reason. But I've always tried to eliminate people who didn't believe in me because at the end of the day, I don't have room for that. I don't have room for that. And I don't want a relationship that's based on the past. I want a relationship that's based on a brighter future. Now, full disclosure, I have a weird relationship with relationships, so it's pretty easy for me to cut people out of my life and reallocate time. But you do have to have that conversation with yourself. Are these people the best from my past? Or are they the best for my future? Are they helping me become the type of person I want to become? And if the answer is no, then it's, it's time to have a difficult conversation with yourself. 
I hope you're listening to that. I hope you just heard what Kevin said. It's very profound, very important. And it's hard for people to hear, you know, because you're talking about childhood friends. You're talking about somebody that, you know, maybe you considered a best friend, but now isn't that best friend for you. Uh, it's a hard thing to, to grasp and it's important to have good people around you. Like I've, I've been a part of a, a business mastermind network community for a year now. And my social feeds are fantastic because we're, we support one another through those mediums and all the garbage gets pushed away. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's, and when you said it doesn't just happen like one time, it is a pattern. So I'm, I'm going to share as an example, like I put up on my personal um, posts, I make a personal post once a day on my channels. Yesterday's was about how in my retail business, we have 319 really great five-star reviews about our no pressure atmosphere. Now, Google's review platform has taken... Now, they're not all saying no pressure atmosphere, no pressure process, right? But there's an abundance of them that do. And the review platform has taken the word no pressure and made it into a tag pressure. Well, in a retail shopping environment, that's a terrible way to describe my business. Now, I do not accept for a second that Google, who is at the forefront of AI technology, which their technology scrapes all of the words of the internet to give an answer. Literally, look it up. That's how it works. Can't figure this out. So actively in our world, you have big tech looking to take positive and push it negative. By by extension, our human connections, it seems like we're almost programmed to do the same. So if you don't actively work to insulate, as you said, you have a small circle around you intentionally. If we don't actively work to have that, we really like kind of flail about. We really leave ourselves to get pulled around kind of by the collar of these naysayers, of of the people that are going to crap all over our goals. Um, I want to talk about, you know, our, our mission and our core values. And Jim, our producer, who's helping out uh, in the background, he's partners with Chris from uh, castahead.net. They do a lot of shows together. Jim, if you maybe go to thejeffg.com, my personal mission and values are on there on the screen. I want to share this. I don't know if you do this, Kevin, uh, but may, you know, if I can be additive to your day, that'd be awesome. Of course. Uh, you're certainly being additive to mine. So we'll get this up on the screen, but every day I read this. I did it just before I got on. It's in my Strides Habit Tracking app. It's one thing I must do every day. And uh, so talk, let, let's, well, we're bringing that up. Let's talk about, um, mission and values as you see it like what describe your mission describe your values and then how you've built that and how others maybe should consider building theirs yeah our our mission is to put holistic self-improvement into the pocket of every single person on the planet from anywhere every single day for free we will never run paid ads on our podcast it's not it's not part of what we're doing we want it to be free. We want it to be just value. That's always the main focus for us. And for us, that came from massive pain. Alan and I, my business partner and I, were both raised without fathers. We both went through Mm -hmm. a lot of trauma. We both um, believe that at a deep level that if there was self-improvement in our family's lives, our lives would have gone drastically different. 
And that's how we came up with our our mission statement, our purpose. And then I have my own little personal one, Jeff, that my goal in life is to become the most extraordinary version of myself, but to never forget what it was like not to be. Because I want to connect with people and I don't ever want to say I'm better than you because I read this book or this. Uh, that doesn't serve me. I am in a, an interesting spot where my business partner is one of the least relatable humans on the planet. He's just a visionary <laughs> who works 16 hours every day, only wants to work, and just is one of the most consistent human beings on the planet. One of the superpowers I have is I can connect with anybody. If you put me in a room, I'll find a way to connect. I might not be as smart as the person, but I'll find something to connect on. Or I might not have the same life experience as somebody else, but I'll find a way to connect. And I just, going back to humility, that's very important to me. I refuse to, I refuse to get to the point where I am ever too good for anybody. Because if I do that, I've lost sight of what this is all about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that you're on that mission to connect because being in a room, especially like a, you know, a conference room, an event room, a networking room is always difficult. So what are you doing in those moments to like, what are, what are a couple of Kevin's top tips for people to, to connect and, and kind of get out of that? Cause it is uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I mean, guys like you and I, we come across, I think. For most people, oh, they would have no problem in a room. But truth be told, I'm very uncomfortable in those kinds of rooms. Same. So, so what are your couple tips? Uh, number one, ask questions. I think everybody, the reason I think people are so nervous to be in rooms with other people is because they don't know what to say and they don't know, this is the other thing. Okay, number one, set an intention. Before you enter any room, if you set an intention, that is going to immediately change every encounter you have because you're going to have a frame. Number two, ask questions. Because when you ask questions, people are going to feel like you actually want to hear the answers. And this is a, a quote and a, a motto from one of our mentors, David Meltzer. Be more interested than interesting. A lot of people, when they enter 100%. rooms, right? It's like, I have a podcast, I have a thousand episodes, blah, blah, blah. No, it, that just comes off as a potential negative where, you know, it could be like, hey, that's a really cool logo you have on your shirt, Jeff. How'd you come up with that? And then boom, you're off to the races with a conversation. We might even get into your purpose statement based on that question. And then we're building rapport and we're building a real authentic connection. I think that's the thing. That's my, my goal in a room is not to sell somebody or get them to listen to the podcast. It's just to have a real authentic conversation. That's the, that's the intention I set. Yeah, yeah. I think we've, I think we're kind of, re I thought about this this morning. You know, I have a uh, scripted day. So the first, the first part of my morning of every day is my time. A lot of people think Jeff sleeps in because I don't return calls. I don't return emails really much before 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I've had people say as much, oh, you're, 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 you, you must be a night owl. You know, you're, you're a late riser. When in fact, consistently, I have guarded that time because it's my most productive, beneficial time. It's where my mind best operates because I put big questions in my mind at night, sleep on them, wake up with answers. Um, really great little habit to uh, get yourself into. But, um, you know, I, I, I structure my day that way so I can best control what happens. And, and for me, it just brings, it brings out the best day, uh, the best day possible, uh, for me personally. Um, so I forget why I went down that road. 
No worries. But, I do the same thing. Yeah. I do the, I yeah. do the same thing. You you cannot get a hold of me. I was up at 5 a.m. today. I was listening to a book, Foam Rolling, by 5.30. I was at the gym by 6. I did an hour of boxing, came home, and it was kind of like behind the scenes. You cannot see me. And then I'm right. usually public facing from 9 a.m. until like 6 p.m. I'll do coaching calls. I'll do podcasts. And then from six to nine, you cannot get a hold of me. I'm spending time with yeah. my fiance. I'm filling my own cup. I'm rest and relaxing for the next day. And yeah, to your point, it's it's weird now for me not to have a plan. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I know, I know where I went down this road because society as a whole, um, we we the, 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 I call it the hustle and grind porn, right? Mm. Where where people just constantly are flashing out what look like wins on social media. It's the constant chest puffing, but really it's very empty. Yep. And if you don't live with intention, if you don't live with structure to guard your day, and I love how at the end of the day, same thing for my end of day. If you don't look for that last few hours of your day to connect with your fiance, connect with your friends and family, uh, it's very difficult, you know? Uh, I bet you you're not sitting there on your phone returning emails. No, no. I do that. I try to do that first thing in the morning and then I try to just get out of that. You know, yeah, I, I try. Yeah. I try really hard. It's it's easier said than done because there's a lot of messages that come through, text messages, WhatsApp. Um, yep. But I try my best to batch the best I can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've reached a point. I, turn, I, I have notifications turned off on everything. Same. Yeah. Because I, like I had, I had somebody... Um, in my Apex group, um, Apex uh, Mastermind, uh, I'm at the top tier of that group. So any sales I make into that group, if you're in that top tier executives group, I personally see them through. The rest of them I hand over to my team. But like we gather once a month in person. So if I'm going to be in that group, I want to make sure we did our job for you 100%. Not that we don't for others, but it's just a personal connection I feel compelled to offer. So as an example, I told um, one of my customers, Lisa and friends, I said, hey, if you have any issues yesterday getting your order, um, please call me because I do not have alerts on. Uh, which again, for, in this day and age, people are, that's, it's almost as if you would tell somebody in 1985, you have a supercomputer in your pocket. They look at yeah. you like you have three heads. Yeah. But we, we constantly build these these areas of distraction that just muddy up our our entire entire day um so you you said nine to six you're doing podcasting you're doing coaching calls in the pre-show you shared you're doing like 20 episodes a week i think was your number yeah uh, well, may, maybe a little little more a little last weekend week out yeah but you are committed to the consistency of being of being seen and heard on podcasts uh i have a word that goes together with consistency. I like to talk about consistency and constancy. Mm. Uh, to me, the constancy fuels the consistency. If you want to say, I'm going to be a consistently happy person, you've got to constantly do things to keep you happy. Yeah. So on that note, you know, obviously you've got a deep commitment to podcasting and a commitment to consistency. Let's dig into that. Yeah, I so one of the things that I think is an important piece to add on is within the consistency and to your point Jeff, the constancy after every single episode we record, 
we do a 1% win and a 1% improvement. So what is our 1% win? What went really well? What is the 1% improvement? What didn't go super well that we can make sure went or goes better next time? And I also review every single episode that we record. But the reason I like going on other shows is because number one, I get to master my craft. I mean, if I get to the end of this life and I have done more podcasts than anybody else, odds are with the growth mindset that I've been practicing and with the consistent 1% improvements over time, I can be the best podcaster in the world. Why not? Why not? So that's really the game I'm playing is, number one, I'm willing to show up and give it my all because I love it. I'm genuinely blessed to be able to do this for a living. So I love that. But the second part is, I know I can continue to get better. Being on a show like this with different questions is awesome. I might go on a show and they might ask me about emotional intelligence. Awesome. It constantly puts me outside of my comfort zone to the point where I'm getting in flow and I'm learning and I'm evolving, and I'm connecting dots that I never did, and I'm meeting awesome people. I just think that the gold is never buried at the surface. It's always buried Mm. down. The oil is always down there. And you might dig for one day, or two days, or three days, or six days, or eight days, or 12 days, but it's usually, and there's that old adage, it's, it's that last day. Most people quit right before they're about to strike oil. Now, whether or not that's actually true, I don't know. But I do know that a lot of people give up long before they would ever see the return on that investment. I remember our first year of podcasting. I think we probably did 52 episodes is my guess. We had 1,057 downloads after a year. And then it got to the point where we were getting that in a day. And if you stopped after the first year, you'd say, you know what? Podcasting isn't for me. And I think it's like that for everything. And I think that's the importance of consistency, constancy, I'm going to use Jeff's word, and make sure, making sure you're focusing on a little improvement every day. There's a big difference between doing something and then trying to do something better the next time. You will not get the same amount of impact, mastery, profitability, um, opportunity, skill set if you do not focus on the little improvements that you can make each time. That's the beauty of showing up and then re-showing up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you said it. You look at, first of all, you look back at all your episodes, which is mm. fantastic. I know so many people that don't do that. Yeah. Uh, whether, whether that's a podcast episode, whether that's recapping your sales day with your team, whether that's looking at, okay, I went away for date night with my wife. Why don't, why does it feel like we didn't connect? Well, mm. you were both head down on your cell phone, right? <laughs> that's why yep. you didn't connect. You know, you, you brought in the gossip of the outside world into your date, which again is just so odd. And, and I'm guilty of it. You know, Same. I, I'm guilty of it at times. It happens. Uh, but I love that you look at things and you look at it through a lens of a, what's a 1% win and a 1% improvement because you're committed, your consistency in your day, if I'm reading you right, hearing you right, is you're looking for to compound those 1% wins daily, mm-hmm. episode over episode. Yep. And doing 20 episodes a week, you're doing that multiple times a day. Yep. I love that 1% win, 1% improvement because so many people, they, they live in this 101001 world where it's binary. It's either a win or a loss. And there's no learning in that if you don't make time for the learning. So when you say a 1% improvement, walk through... Like what that's like. Yeah. Um, well, it's, what's a good example? We did a podcast last night. 
Okay. So every Tuesday, no, every Monday, we do a live podcast. We do an hour where it's 40 minutes of a podcast and a 20-minute Q&A. And my 1% improvement for Alan was when I say lightning round, that means we got to like answer the question. Alan's very long-winded and he tends to go off on deep, deep, deep tangents. And I said, that's my 1% improvement. Next time, just when I say lightning round, we just have to set the intention that that means we only have three minutes left. And we just, I want to make sure that we get off on time. And then like yeah. another another 1% improvement is show up five minutes early. That So yep. this is a good example. Jeff did all of the prep work phenomenally. I had the, the link to the StreamYard room far in advance. If I was late today, I would look back and say my 1% improvement is I really should have taken the link that Jeff sent me and I should have put it on my calendar. And that way I would have had it. I wouldn't have had to go back in the email or I would have made sure my previous call got 15 minutes, uh, done 15 minutes earlier. Simple, simple things. Make sure my audio is good. Make sure my camera is on center. Whatever the most glaring improvement is, is the one that that we look for. And I think the interesting thing is more often than not, it's pretty small. It's not a, it's not a huge thing. It's usually something very, very, very minuscule where when we had our own studio, we had a custom podcast studio and every single time I would walk in there, I would look and say, I got to change those lights. Those lights aren't pointed the right way. I need to change them. I need to change this light strip. It doesn't look good in the camera. I need to change where the camera is and the TV and I got to alter the angle because they can tell we're looking at the TV, not the camera. It was just a lot of small things that added up over time. I think we assume that it's the giant changes that make the, the progress for us. And sometimes it is, but more often than not, it's the little tweaks that you're making that are really going to bring you the biggest results. If you think about, think about a plane that takes off from Boston, Massachusetts, headed to Los Angeles, California, if the path is... 1% off, 1 degree off, that plane's going to end up in a completely different state. And it's yeah. it's not a giant, it right? It's not a giant yeah. shift. It's, it's not a giant pivot. It's just something small over a long enough period of time that will facilitate a great change. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that analogy of being 1% off. Um, you know, and on that note, I'm going to do a, a, a I'm going to make uh, our producer's heart sing here by saying, Taking a little pause. If if you are a podcast guest, you have an opportunity to be on somebody's show. Uh, please pay attention to their and, and Kevin did a fantastic job. Please pay attention to the communications they send out. They're doing it for a reason. Mm. It's not to micromanage you. It's to give the listener that you're attempting to pour into. Right? We used that term earlier in the show. Pour into pour into your audience. Pour into your your members, your clients, your customers. You know, those small things matter, and that's what equals a good show. If you, if the audio is bad on a podcast, it's the only sensory thing that exists. Don't be in the background at a Starbucks, right? Like Starbucks should be your background. Yeah. Um, you know, like like be intentional with the opportunity given to you, uh, for sure. Uh so so follow their instructions, follow their um, follow their directions, you know. When you talk about change and being 1%, looking for 1% wins, 1% improvements, we're going through in our retail business, a massive painting project inside. And it's a culmination of, and, and as you were talking about them, I'm thinking, this is why it got to be such a giant change. Because over the years, we honed our craft and we are the brand in our retail mattress store business. Like that, We are the brand. And we are not 
a Simmons extension. We are not a Tempur-Pedic extension. But over the years, as we landed on that, really the last four or five years, um, you know, we had different ideas come in from this vendor partner and that vendor partner. And our store kind of became this almost like kaleidoscope of colors and, you know, brand direction because we were a little slice of everything good. It wasn't all, nothing was bad. It's just, we didn't look great. And now we have uh, some bigger competition, which doesn't scare us. It just makes us level up our game. So that's what we're doing. But it is the, it does feel like this giant thing. So I like how you talk about building so it doesn't have to become these giant overhauls. Because that's where you yeah. fail, right? Yeah. You fail I mean, when you, you try to bite off too much at a time. Yeah. You, know, you put it off. You put it on. I mean, we we were we were going to do a rebrand. We did a rebrand. I think four hundred and fifty episodes in, and we p- kept putting it off because it was this giant, quote unquote, giant thing. Realistically, it's not that hard. All you got to do is change your artwork. That's it, really. Like right. change your artwork, change your intro, change your branding. It's not the end of the world, but energetically, it was heavy. It felt very, yeah. very, very challenging to do that. So, and that just that's even more like the importance of the consistency over time, the biggest brands in the world are the ones that have been around the longest. You know, Apple's been around for what, 45 years? Amazon's been around a good amount of time, much longer than most people realize. But they've been focusing on what can we do to cut costs here? What can we do to hire more aligned talent? Mm -hmm. What can we do to make shipping better? It's just constant improvement. That is the way to to ultimately succeed. Yeah. And, you know, just as a little little side note, I know we you know, this, this isn't in, um, you know, how we met just as a little, again, little aside for anybody listening. Sometimes folks like Kevin and I, we connect through a service called Podmatch. Alex Sanfilippo does a fantastic job running that platform. So this little, this little tangent is not in your bio. It's not in what I'm looking for for guests, but as a little side note, you're a hundred percent right. These companies do the 1% things mm-hmm. every day. Like they have teams dedicated yep. to that. And, you know, two things about these two companies you named, a lot of people don't understand that Amazon isn't about putting dog food on your front doorstep or diapers in an hour, right? If you're in a large city, Um, a big, big chunk of Amazon's revenues is with their web hosting services through their AWS platform. It's as big as anything else. Um, The the other revenue, there's three revenue streams. It's it's AWS, it's third-party commissions on sales, and it's prime memberships. So none of that actually involves you clicking to buy a book. Yeah. None of that actually involves directly you deciding to buy something. It's all you it all needs to happen, but none of it is directly tied to that, which is just incredible when you look mm-hmm. at the genesis of starting out selling books fast online to what the company is today. Apple is an example. If you break out AirPods as a business, standalone silo business. I don't know if you know this. They're like a $20 billion company. Or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the 20 largest, 20th largest company in revenue in the world. AirPods alone. Hmm. I did not know that. Makes sense. They're, yeah. they're the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so I, I, you know, I just share this because when we're looking at getting 1% better in our lives and, and, and growing in our businesses, uh, the one thing we're working on, again, in our retail business is uh, augmented reality demonstrations and presentations. Mm-hmm. Well, Apple, their next product is going to be AR viewing devices. I don't know if they're going to be glasses, if they're going to be something you strap 
over your face and look like a Star Trek character. I don't know. But I do know for a fact we're on the right path. And I said, and I'll get your feedback on this, on this analogy. So I often climb to the high, find the high dive, climb to the top, jump, and I figure out if there's water in the pool or not on the way down. So on this AR thing, that's what we're doing. Like I know we're jumping, but I, I don't know if it's to a, a, you know, a concrete pit or like the most delicious, comforting, best water ever. I don't know, <laughs> but we're doing it. What are your thoughts on that as far as leading yourself when you see something exciting? Yeah, I think you got to take a chance. I, I think you got to take a chance. I mean, worst case scenario, it doesn't work. And then you learn a lesson. You know, I, I think that a lot of people are so afraid of failure that they're actually holding themselves back from success. And if you don't mm -hmm. try, so Alan has this great quote. I, I got to give this to Alan because it's his, but today's failures are next year's successes. I mean, we've failed so much over the last year. We failed over the, the year before that, but the, the failures are not the same. They continue to evolve and they continue to change. So to your point, Jeff, I think if that's the way your process works and you have the confidence to do that, you also have the confidence to realize that if, if it goes belly up and it doesn't work like you want it to, you'll make a pivot and you'll be fine. And I think, I think that goes back to self-awareness, understanding who you are as a human being and how you operate. Maybe you're not super certainty driven. Maybe you're more of a visionary where you can, you know, you're, you have a higher risk tolerance than most. I think understanding that about yourself and self-awareness is a super important thing. And the other thing too, and you stumped me with, uh, not stumped me, but definitely raised my awareness when it came to the Amazon and the Apple. I saw this the other day. Nintendo started as a rice company. Nintendo was a rice company. Then they were, a, I think they were a playing card company. They had taxi services. I think they had hotels. And eventually they got into um, like board games kind of, and then video games. Mm -hmm. That was like their seventh or eighth iteration of a business. So I think you also have to give yourself time to, to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our world has become a world of instant gratification, which is a cliched statement. We, yeah. you know, you know that I know that everybody listening knows that I hope our time together today gives you an understanding that, yeah, you know, the last handful of years, if you, if you got on a good crypto coin and rode it to the top, you made a lot of money. But if you didn't understand the modalities of that investing platform, and some people listening might roll their eyes at that statement, investing platform about crypto, but it is. You know, I know a lot of people that have done very well, even now, they've done very well in that, in that investing platform. Like those people have instant success and they've got the sports cars and the houses, et cetera. But understand that, you know, success is about these incremental uh, improvements. So one thing I wrote down, I always just try to find four or five, maybe six bullets to frame a conversation with my guests. So one thing that I've come upon as I speak with people and leaders and what holds them back in their business is, that maybe they've got trauma in their past. Maybe their trauma comes from running a business and they weren't prepared to manage a team. But there, there, there's this thing around their neck. There's this luggage on their back, like a back, a heavy backpack, a heavy suitcase they got to carry around. And it holds them, it definitely holds them back, right? They feel there should be more success. Whatever that, let's say, trauma for a, a bucket word is, 
it has to be dealt with and managed, right? You know, because if you're going to run a business, whether that's a solopreneur or a team or a large, larger entity with many locations or teams across the nation, you've got to deal with that. And I like that luggage example because some days it's going to feel like that big old, you know, two foot by three foot case you check in at the airport, right? Other days it's going to feel like these, these cool Merces and fanny packs that guys are wearing now, right? Easy to handle and maybe even, you know, fashionable. I don't know. What, what is your thought on that analogy of being able to move it around and address it and, and handle it differently on a daily basis? Yeah, if I've learned one thing from interviewing as many people as we have and many, many, many very successful people, your adversity becomes your advantage if you know how to pivot that way. I, I really, really, really believe that. One of my biggest pain points growing up was money, lack of money, and lack of money understanding. And I have used that, for lack of a better term, chip on my shoulder to now, it's still a chip on my shoulder, but now I run that chip. I'm focused on money every single day. That's one of the things that I'm focused on in the business as the CFO. But it's because I have a bunch of habits that I was able to take from negative perspective to positive perspective. And I think a lot of people, they're afraid to look at the stuff that made them who they are because they assume them looking at it will uncover it and it'll take their life over. When I really believe that so much of your future is buried in your past. One of, I'll tell a quick story, Jeff. When I was 27, so I grew up without a father. I didn't know my dad. When I was 27 years old, I logged into Facebook. And at the time, there was a, a separate folder for messages that were sent from people who you weren't friends with. It was a message request folder. And I yeah. opened up this folder and I saw a message and it said, hey, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. And I remember thinking, I am not doing this today. I am not doing this today. I proceeded to open it and read it. And it said, hey, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. Uh, your dad wanted me to let you know that number one, he's very proud of you for everything that you've done. And number two, if you ever want the opportunity to meet him, he would love to meet you. And I remember I threw my phone on the floor. I fell on the floor and I started crying because this was somebody that I had spoke so negatively about. I did not care if he was dead or alive. I did not feel like I had a dad and I did not think I needed a dad because I never had one. So it didn't matter. And I was just closed off. When I got that message, I realized in my mind, and I knew this, I said, I have to do this. This is something I have to do. I have to go see my dad. I messaged one of my friends. I told them about it. And they said, do you want me to come? You want me to come support you? And I said, no, this is something I have to do alone. So I drove like an hour. I met my dad in the middle of where we both lived. And I remember walking into this diner and I didn't know what my dad looked like. So I thought to myself, I don't even know how I'm going to know when this man gets here. Weird position to be in. But somebody walked by the window. A man walked by the window. And I said, that's my dad. Don't know how I knew, but I knew that was my dad. He sits down. He's crying, emotional, very uncomfortable, a very challenging conversation. And it went very well. I'm, I'm very glad I did it. When I left that day, I felt like there was a weight lifted off my shoulder because I think so much of my pain came from not having a father. And what me having the courage to go see him did for me is it gave me empathy to realize, look, he's just a guy. And this, this might sound hardcore, but this really helped me. He's just a guy who is not nearly as developed as you. His awareness isn't as high as you. And he doesn't have his life figured out nearly to the degree that you do. 
it's not really that big of a surprise that he wasn't there. He was dealing with his own junk and he didn't know how to deal with it. It allowed me to have empathy and actually forgive him, which has helped me in, I cannot even say, immeasurable ways, so many ways. But that was the biggest trauma from my past that I did not want to look at. Me looking at that has unlocked something in me. Do I still have a chip on my shoulder? Yes. Am I running that chip now more than ever? Absolutely. And I just think that's to your point, Jeff. I could have run from that forever. You cannot run from your past. Your past is a part of you. It's whether or not you make friends with those parts of you and then use them maybe as the heroes in the future of your story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, powerful stuff. I'm, you know, I had interesting relationships with my father as a child, um, not by his choosing. Uh, my parents were divorced. So it was a impact of my mother and the men that she brought into our lives mm. later. And my father, to his credit, man, this you talk about consistency. And I really wish I would have kept them. Um, but he wrote cards and letters. He was over the road truck driver. So, you know, his commitment to having stamps, because where do you find stamps when you're going down the interstate? Mm. Post offices aren't on the interstate, you know? Yeah. And you can't send, e you couldn't send emails back in the 80s and early 90s, you know? So these were letters written out. And I, you know, I've talked to him about that and, and I've thanked him for that consistency. But yeah, not having a father in your life, having bad, uh, you know, mothers and fathers in your life is also adversity. I love how you say it becomes your advantage. That's one of those timestamps I wrote down that we definitely are going to share out. Uh, because it is important. And I love how you found that opportunity to find empathy and to forgive. Right now, mm -hmm. I'm, our family um, is going through a rough time. Our, our, the, the matriarch and patriarch of our family, my grandparents, so my, my mother and her brother's parents are uh, at the end of their times. My grandfather has terminal cancer. My grandmother has dementia. She is you know, she is just uh, in her own little world. And um, my grandfather had said one of the things he hopes we all understand is that we cannot be forgiven if we don't forgive. And that's a, you know, there is scripture to that in the Bible, but whether you're religious or not, what you did with your father, that, that's the exact definition of, of empathy and forgiveness. Yep. is you can't be forgiven. You can't move forward if you can't forgive those that armed you. Um, what a powerful statement there. I I'm happy it. for you. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. The, the best way to sum it up for me was I finally saw the villain that I gave so much power to as kind of a victim in his own life. That's, that's what did mm -hmm. it for me is I felt bad. Like I'm not, I'm not going to beat this man up um, emotionally right now. That's the last thing he needs. Yeah, you know, that that's what did it for me is I, it made me better. It made me better. It made me stronger. It made me who I am. Now, does everybody get that advantage? Maybe not. Maybe they don't have the same uh, view of the circumstance or the same perspective. But when it's me sitting across from him was like, you know what? He's probably suffered enough in his own his own life. I don't need to bring more suffering to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, again, a very powerful way to think about it. I think I think as leaders, you know. Um, and as we approach the top of our time together, we'll kind of bring it home on this point. I think leaders deal with conflict that way. They, mm -hmm. they, they look at what gets brought to them as a, a nick, a, a 
shot in the arm or a, a wound almost, right? Like these employees are actively coming to me to derail my thing to, you know, be a hurdle. And really the way we need to look at it is the way you looked at the relationship with your father. This was somebody who wasn't well-equipped. Mm, yeah. Right? Like, is there really a guidebook to fatherhood? As I said to my family, is there a guidebook to dealing with your parents and grandparents' deaths? No, there, there's no guidebook for this. You know, sadly, a lot of those, those end days are ruled by emotion. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. So as like a leader, so your, your thoughts on, on how leaders deal with that conflict that comes up from those they lead, whether that's employees, business partners, spouses, like they've got an idea, they've got a grand vision, but these things aren't. These things aren't, you know, like like rocks being thrown at them when objections come into place or people don't understand or make a mistake, right? So how how should leaders find empathy, I guess, to use page out of your book in uh, those re- moments? Yeah. Remember when you were in the position that that person is in. I mean, I've, you know, I've been in many different positions in my life, and many of them I did not understand what I was doing. And candidly, I was afraid to ask for help. So I think that's part of it. And I think the other thing too is you have to be a human first. I think as leaders, people forget that you're a human. And the best leaders in the world, from my perspective, and I'm not saying like externally, I mean like inside the organization. There's a lot of people who are good leaders that are doing a lot in the world. I don't know. I've never been inside the organization. I don't know how they lead inside the organization. But I think you have to understand that the way you make the people feel is the most valuable thing in the world. If you want somebody to learn and evolve inside your organization and they're afraid of you, it's not going to work. If they're afraid to bring you a problem, it's not going to work. If they don't believe in you because you don't lead by example, it's not going to work. We live in a different time now. We live in a different time where people are watching what you're doing more than what you're saying. So I just try to lead the best I can through example, whether that's me taking extreme ownership and crying in front of somebody saying, hey, this is on me. I failed you. This is me. This is a me thing, not you. Or whether it's saying, you know, I love you as a friend, but there's friend Kevin and there's business Kevin. This is business Kevin talking. We just lost a giant contract because of something you did. I need you to feel a little bit of that pain because I don't want to just be feeling it myself because nothing will change. So I think it's just being at the right place emotionally at the right time for the right situation, I think. Love it. Love it. So I think everybody listening absolutely 100% needs to tune in, follow Kevin. Uh, You're obviously like a podcasting crazy man with all of your episodes. Um, I know you want people to connect to you, follow you through your podcast. So for those listening, what is that podcast? Where do they get it? Yeah. So our podcast is Next Level University. Beautifully done there. Um, the best place is anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on all the major podcast platforms, the minor ones as well. And all of our episodes are up on YouTube as well. Seven episodes a week. That is our commitment to our community. We just want to help you get a little bit better every day, Jeff. That's the name of the game. Just a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, I listen, for those listening, those watching, seven video podcast shows a week is just an enormous commitment to what uh, Kevin and your partner, Adam, right? Business partner, Adam? Alan. 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 Sorry, Alan. No, no, no worries. Um, what you guys believe in and the value you can pour into this world. So as, yeah, as we wrap up, what's next? Like, what's, what's the big goal for you guys? 
Um, our goal is to, so we're creating an app that we're trying to work in AI and it's a whole thing. So we're, we're really focused now on like, how do we help people at a deeper level, but more scalable? There's only so much yeah. one-on-one coaching we can do. There's only two of us and there's only so yeah, much nine, time in the day. Nine to six each day. Very right. Smart. Yeah. There's only, there's only so much there. So that's part of it. But really, it's of disclosure. Alan's more of the visionary than I. So I kind of just go where Alan says we're going. We have the same core values, core beliefs, and core aspirations. And I trust that man with my life. Um, so wherever he says we're going, but more of what we're doing, more podcasts, more clients, more impact, more money to pour back in the business and just continuing to get better as humans. That's that's the the big thing. What do the mile markers look like? I'm not sure yet, but yeah. we'll be uh, we'll be trucking down the road. I know that. Yeah, awesome. That podcast super highway. You're in the That's left it. lane cruising. Oh, we're trying. We're trying, my friend. <laughs> Man, this has been great. Loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for uh, what you shared with the audience today. Uh, Next Level University. Connect with Kevin and Alan through their podcast. You'll get on all the players. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, no doubt you will learn a lot. And if you take anything away from today, take that 1% win each day and that 1% improvement and build on it day in and day out. Kevin, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for being on the show. And we will catch you all next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.